here. Uh, this is uh, Kevin Evans with the chapter by chapter live class at Crossroads Assembly of God, Greenville, May 21st. And uh, it's been two weeks since we've uh, looked at John because stuff happens. And um, we are going to jump into chapter 16 today. And uh, we uh, had a big heavy discussion three weeks ago that wrapped up chapter 15. And Christ is having this final discussion with his disciples after the Lord's Supper as Judas is gathering the troops to come arrest Christ. Christ is having these final emotional conversation with his disciples basically telling them uh things bad stuff is about to happen and you are ready uh get with it you know and so uh it, it's his final statement so chapter 16 it continues that and there is a lot here it's like christ is trying to pack everything he possibly can into the last few minutes which probably makes sense um, I also, you have to remember that John is writing this several years after the effect, and I, I suspect that this is all stuff that Christ has said before, that he reiterated at that moment because John had it, you know what I mean? So uh, that's, that's kind of where we are. So let's uh, kind of take it in chunks. Uh, the first four verses extends... Uh, the, the, what, what Christ was saying in chapter 15, and he's talking about how the world is going to come against the disciples. So looking at verse 1 through 4, all this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Can I say something before we go any further? You certainly may. Um, yes. 
uh, in the passage before this, he basically has told them that they are going to come against a great deal of opposition. He says, I tell you this so that you won't go astray. He's warning them so that they can prepare for what's coming. And then he says, they will put you out of the synagogue. And that in and of itself is a profound statement. I didn't realize how hard that was. But the Pharisees had the power because they had legal power within the Jewish community. They, could, they would pass a sentence of casting someone out, which basically means they excommunicate them from the Jewish faith for a month. That was the first one. So they're not allowed to come to the temple. They're not allowed to uh, seek any kind of ritual purification. They, and because of that, they uh, are considered outcasts within the Jewish community. So they can't do business with all of the good Jews. They have to do business with the Gentiles and the Romans and the bad Jews. So, so they're, they're kind of you know, thrown out of this hierarchical social order uh, for a month. And if you make restitution with the uh, temple, and remember these priests are corrupt, so restitution could you know, basically be money under the table and you're okay. Uh, once you're, if you're not resolved, then when you come back a month later in order to be restored, they could then cast you out of the temple permanently. And so you don't get to come back and try to restore. You're basically just kicked out of the Jewish faith. You know, that's hard. And so these priests had enormous power over the people because of this tradition. And Christ is telling his disciples that they are going to be thrown out of the synagogue because they are his followers. And that is, I hope that wasn't a surprise to them. You know, I think, I think that would give uh, all of them a, a really hard lump in their stomach if they heard that from Christ just before, you know, they know he's telling them he's about to leave. Oh yeah, you're about to be thrown out of the church that you are so committed to. You know, uh, Christ isn't going to renovate the Jewish church and the Jewish people and, you know, institute this Masonic empire they were hoping for. Uh, no, they're going to be kicked out of the church and be uh, cast, cast out. This isn't, this is, this is, this is heavy. Uh, in, the, in the Jerusalem about a month ago, they were trying to pass a law. If you converted a Jew to a Christian, you get one year in prison. Really? If it's, oh, okay. under, if it's under 18, you get two years in prison. And I only failed by one vote. Don't worry, guys. Jesus is not your right hand. Well, I'm so glad that failed. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'll show you. Because, you know, this is an interesting. But you can even see, though, that even being thrown out of the synagogue in and of itself still would promote the gospel of Jesus because then you're going to the outcasts and you're going to the um, Gentiles, mm -hmm. which is exactly what Christ wanted to happen anyway. So yes. even, even though it's a hard thing, it provocated the gospel. That's yeah. true. My uh, earthly father, Dwayne Evans, was a uh, Southern Baptist music minister. And I grew up in a town that has five enormous Southern Baptist churches <clears throat> and very little of anything else. Uh, and, it, you know, Henderson is only about, I think it's 30, 40,000 people. It's not that many. It, it's, a, it's, it's Greenville or a little bigger. 
and, and it's supporting five enormous Baptist churches and not much else. And I asked Dad about that once. He says, well, you know, it all started with the first Baptist, and then they had a big fight, and it split in half, and the other half went over and started east side. And then uh, First Baptist grew back up to 800 people again, and then they had another fight, and then they split in half, and, I, and I'm not joking. They, I believe they, 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 they started south side. So it's First Baptist, east side, south side, and then there's, uh, there's a trinity, I think, which is on the north side. They didn't want to call it north. I don't know. And, uh, you know, and so uh, it, it, and what it was was the First Baptist uh, was buying out businesses next to them so they could knock down the building and build another building. They were just growing, 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 and, and, and it was all right there. You know, they, they didn't. If they, they supported some missionaries, but it was a small percentage of the overall economic force of this church. Uh, they plowed it right back into their own selves. And they had big fights. And, and weirdly, they took over this town, but it's because of all of the conflict that happened within their church. You know, they were almost known for the conflict in their church. They had so many big breaks. But see, God's going to do that to you. If, if, if you're not going to you know, actively support him, he, you're going to actively support him against your own will. It's going to happen. Like when it Max Lucado in one of his books said, when fishermen don't fish, they fight. There you go. That's, that's a good line. I'll steal that later. Oh, you know the story because his dad took him fishing with a buddy when they were teenagers, and they were going to go fishing. He got a trailer, and they were, the first day it rained. Okay, that happens. Like a week. Yeah. And, okay, we'll play card games. We'll play this. We'll sing some songs, tell some jokes. All right. Second day, woke up, still, still rain. All right, we'll play a game again, tell jokes again. Third day. Suddenly, I was starting to notice they didn't smell too good. Uh-huh. And they started irritating me. And they mm-hmm. start, by, by Thursday, Dad, the world went off. You know, when fishermen don't fish, they fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. There's also the joke about the guy on the desert island who gets rescued, and they're asking, well, this is my hut, this is where I live. And I even built a church for Sundays for me to go to church. That's my church. And the guy goes, well, what's that building? Oh, that's my old church. I got mad at them. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> Thank you, folks. I'm going to leave it on that. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you win. You win. Uh, okay, so the second half of the first verse. Um, they will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. This actually happened, and it happened to the Saul of Tarsus, who was the right-hand man of, I always forget his name. Gadalil. Yeah who was the uh, big intellectual, big shot professor in the Jewish faith. He's considered the greatest of all time. Yes. And so uh, Saul was one of those fast-track intellectuals headed toward high priest. And he was trying to get the attention, I assume, of all of the power in, you know, the temple because he he had a career plan. And so they put him in charge specifically of Christian persecution. And he gathered his forces and, and sent temple troops and arrested Christians and crucified, well, stoned Christians, because that was the Jewish way. 
And uh, he stoned Stephen. Uh, they say he held the coats while he watched it happen, but I suspect that he uh, organized the event and then stood back while, while everybody took care of business because he was a big shot. Why would you want to get your hands dirty? Uh, he was that guy. So yes, they were. You know, they were doing God's will by crucifying or, 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 or persecuting Christians. But never good thing to you say you're going to get killed in the name of Christ. Well, it's been done a lot. I, I didn't say it had been done or not. Is it a good thing? It's it? never been justified. Well, there's a lot of people. Well, according to Dietrich, no. Mr. Bonhoeffer feels that we should not be, uh, you know, killing people at all because, you know, God is sovereign and in charge of this world. And, you know, if we, we don't have to sin in order to accomplish, you, you know, to, in order to serve God. I just make the point. And then, of course, he did <laughs> later. Well, not Hitler. I know. Yeah. Would you kill Hitler? Yeah. He had a problem with that. He had a very big problem. Yeah, well, that, it, it, is, it is a philosophical conundrum. Donald Miller actually talked about Bonhoeffer in his book, which I thought was kind of interesting. And he goes, yeah, I'd kill Hitler. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but, you know, honestly, I'd kill Hitler. And so, but is the difference I'm killing Hitler to promote Christianity or I'm killing Hitler to... To save him. those millions of Jewish lives. I'm talking in the name of... I know I kill in the name of Christ to promote Christianity. But what about the soldiers in the that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that. Okay. I no. am promoting Christian, I, to spread the Christian faith if I have to kill some people. God loves all of That's us. A God wants a relationship with all of us. And if you are killing someone, God wants a relationship with that person that you're about to kill. If you kill them, then we can't develop a relationship with them, can we? Well, when the Spaniards came to the Native Americans, the priests said. They were wrong. They said. You get me preached them one time. If they don't accept, we killed them then. I think that was a bad policy. Mm -hmm. And they knew it at the time. Mm -hmm. They were corrupt. They were corrupt. So never, you, no, never invoke the name of Christ with persecution right. or violence. Right. Sure. Of course, if you're Bonhoeffer, he would say you should just never invoke that, that, persecution that, 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 or that's, violence. That's total tacitism. We're getting very Well, yes, it is, right isn't it? <sighs> I know. I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm not an expert. She's not. No one talks to him during the week. See, so <laughs> he comes up here, and, and, and I, you know, he has to spar in order to get it all out. All I get is people talking to me all week. Just, just, know, just like, yeah, but, you know, it's not the same thing. It's, it's like a teacher talking to sophomores, and I come talk to you. It's a whole different ballgame. You know, yeah, I, I understand. You folks are smarter. Have a little bit, of, yeah, exactly. Have, have, a, have, a, have a little bit of understanding for poor Mr. Yek. Okay. <laughs> Where were we? Oh, verse 2. That's where we were. Uh, they will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. <clears throat> huh. You think that's why Christ chose Paul? Because he was so zealous. And he, he knew that, it, that converting him would turn that zealous around for Christ. 
That's a decent interpretation, but I am not one to presume the mind of God. I don't know why. Why Gideon? Why would anybody want Gideon? You know, God did. God knew him. You know, I, I think if you put me in charge of picking all the, the, you know, the masters of the faith, I would pick very different people than God did. So, you know, I, I, and I trust him to know their hearts better than I do. And God changes his mind from day to day. There you go. Sure, from a coward to boasting the gospel, so he didn't have to be that zealot beforehand. He became zealot after the whole church came. There's a good answer. Yeah, keep talking smack about me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I guess I didn't argue enough with you this week. You got it. Yeah, Would you please argue with him more and let him get out of the system? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it was my birthday this week, so you had to be extra nice to me. Ooh. Happy birthday. She's 30. 30. Don't be sarcastic. Oh, I believed him. Uh, I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. And this is the part that hurts. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Doesn't that seem a little, you know, what, shouldn't you have told me that I was going to be persecuted as soon as I joined this outfit? Why, why are you telling me I'm going to be persecuted now after I'm committed? It seems like, you know, when we were out on the banks of that, that, that river, we were just talking and all the fish were there. Maybe you should have mentioned that we were going to get cast out of the synagogue over this. Gee, Jesus. Uh, that, that's probably not the way that should be interpreted, right? Yeah. Yeah. I dug into this a little bit, and there was one commentator, the closest vaguely satisfying explanation I found. One commentator said that he, would, he did not tell them that they were going to be persecuted because at that point all the hate was directed toward him and not his disciples. And so he was there to take the heat, and he was there to show them you know, the love of God. And so that was, he, he was the shield. But now, when he's gone, they're going to be in the center of the target, and that's the difference. And that's, that's a fair explanation of that, I think. I had a quick question. I'm sorry for And this is kind of off the subject, but I'll ask subject. Okay. Um, just kind of people's opinion. Uh, what do you think it means when the Lord says to carry our cross? To what? Carry our cross. That we're to carry our cross. I think God calls us first to obedience, whatever that means for us. And I think the Holy Spirit will speak to us individually. And I think God calls some of us to some things and some of us to others. But then God also calls us to sacrifice. God calls us to deny ourselves and follow him. Uh, in my case, I am an arrogant, ego-driven monster who, who is deep down convinced that he's so much better than you it is hard for me to express. 
But I have been gloriously saved by Jesus Christ. And I understand that that part of me is not a very accurate view. And I have to beat that guy down in the back of my head all the time. And over time, it's become a lot easier to kick him back. Amen. Does that make sense? Yes. And so he calls us to uh, die to self. And I, that's how I choose to interpret uh, taking up the cross. But, but I'm speaking from my personal experience here. And, and I am trying to step away from my two great sins, which is uh, vanity and gluttony. Uh, <laughs> And the, yeah, I'm not doing very well in the second one. Uh, First one, too. <laughs> fair. fair. I'll, I'll accept that. I'll give that to you. Points for you. Uh, uh, but but I, I think he's calling us to follow him in a state of personal sacrifice. I think that's what he's referring to. And that may look differently for other people. You know, it depends on what your cross is. And I think it may be a little different depending on different people. I am crucified with Christ. I think it's referencing to the prayer that Jesus prayed. You know, you can pray, let this be taken from me. But nevertheless, let my will be done. Yes. Amen. Well, it's trading your will what, and what you want for his will. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even the We work at our salvation with fear and trembling. And, and Christ comes. I hate that but it is. verse. But yeah, because it can be interpreted so many ways. <laughs> If the world's loving you, you're doing something wrong. 
um, if you were put on trial, would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian, of following Christ? Two points that I've, I've found in verse one through four that I'm going to throw in just because I dug it out and I, you know, I don't want to waste my time. Uh, okay, so persecution uh, at the time that the Gospels were written, which is probably 60, 70 years after Christ's ascension, less actually because of John. But uh, when John was writing this. Uh, a prayer had been incorporated into synagogue prayers, which was literally placing a curse on the Nazarenes, uh, which was the Jewish word for Christians at the time. Anybody following Christianity was called a Nazarene. So if you came into the synagogue as a believing Christian, you would have to pray out loud a curse on Christendom which meant that any devoted Christian was forced out of the synagogue because they couldn't make that prayer. Does that make sense? Modern Islam? And so, uh, no. No. Uh, however, it's very exclusive, like Islam, which is, I think, your point there. Uh, and so they're, 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 they were literally uh, putting in a structure within the local church to force Christians out because they were the enemy now. And so within 70 years of Christ giving this warning, uh, we had people being stoned and they were cast out of the... All of this happened, you know. So... Uh, uh, and then I was looking for statistics on current Christian persecution. And what I thought was interesting, I hear all these stories of, of persecution. Fox's Book of Martyrs is full of it. And um, in the 20th century, the vast majority of Christian persecution has been carried out by the communist states, uh, both China and Russia and, and so forth. Uh, because you have an atheist state who is coming down uh, 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 banning churches and religious activities. And that's where most of the resistance came in the last century. Before that, it was other religions and, frankly, Christians. Worse for persecution. Christians persecuting Christians <laughs> because they weren't in agreement. You know? So, in 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 a Oh my goodness, we have done so much damage to ourselves, speaking for the entire Christian body of all time. You know, uh, wow. Here's the ironic thing. Overseas in Africa and other places where, the, where Christians used to, where ministers used to be persecuted and everything, that's where the biggest revivals are happening now. That's where the biggest congregations are now. And over in America, where they all came from, we're falling apart. Where they all came from? Well, they all the, came from Jerusalem. What, what I meant is all the oh, okay. all the missionaries that went in the over. In history of the church, the church has always grown in persecution. Oh. They've always declined in business classes. Interesting. Yeah. Well, so the prosperity gospel has the opposite it's effect. False. Oh, someone let Kenny talk. The reason why Christians were persecuted as Christians is because we were trying to pluck the splinter out of our own eye first and set the <laughs> What? <laughs> All that for a joke? Yeah, really? I stop conversation so that you can tell a joke? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, it is, but it is ironic. That is where
where all the happening is, and here in America, where the Christian entity started, we're falling apart. We're getting run over by the woke movement and all this garbage. That I, I, I think it's the prosperity. It's prosperity, man. When, this, when, you, when it's easy, it's easy to be a Christian in the United States. Mm -hmm. We have, 20, we got five, six religious channels. We got music channels. We have Christian bookstores. No one took our name coming into church. I, well, okay, we got your name, but you're going to church. None of that. We are not persecuted compared to the other. That's why we're, I'm not praying for it to come, but we got it easy. Yeah, I agree. We preach a prosperity gospel. We don't preach the gospel. Correct. We do? I preach a prosperity gospel? I didn't know I was preaching a prosperity gospel. I, I just, the church grows in persecution. There is a prosperity gospel, but I don't think I'm part well, of it. Well, the, the easy road. It's, well, look, your, your story you told earlier about the churches, we're, we yeah. are too busy fighting each other. Yeah. That's why we don't grow. I agree. The people, in that book I told you we're listening to, he talks about going to that, that meeting of different churches in Africa. Mm -hmm. And the pastor is saying, hey, I, we, need, we don't even have a Bible. We won't get you a Bible. The pastors or churches are working together. Mm -hmm. That's why it's grown. Here we're too busy fighting each other. Yeah. that's going on, I mean, like the equity where they punish children in school because we have children that don't want to do anything, don't care about their lives, so now these children have to be punished, and they're told they can no longer get their scholarships, their awards, have, have honors classes and all this because of equity, which is pure, literally communism they're trying to bring into America. And so, you know, you're destroying the confidence of children, you're punishing children, you're bringing in this woke movement, and all of this gender stuff, and all of this is creeping into the churches. I mean, let's be honest, it's creeping in, it's, in a, it's taking over America, it's gonna creep into the churches. And it is gonna affect the churches. And you know who's gotta be behind all of that, and it's Satan. It's a, it's a door that opened for him to be able to. But it's not Satan's church, ultimately it's God's church. Yes, but I mean, what I mean is Satan is, is promoting, pushing all of, helping promote all this stuff and as it creeps into the churches, it is going to cause problems in the churches. And it is going to cause... But that's yeah, where we, have, we have to know what our Bible says. Whether walk with God, whether or not we can even part... How we respond to that is what we have to the shadow. How we respond to it. I respond with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Imagine if we don't put the Satan on the Bible better than he did. That's where the great falling away, I think, is the key 
about that's part of what's going to be part of the great falling away. It's going to cause people to fall away. Yeah. But I think it's important. I'm kind of opposite of, of what he was saying earlier. I focus the key on Christ, not on faith. You know, the Bible says that we fight the fight of faith. And so we need to, we need to be equipped with the word of God in order to battle and it's with love. It's not with anything else. You know, so when we know the word of God, we apply it and we live by it. You know, the Bible says that when we stand firm in the word, after so long, the devil kind of tempts you to get sleep from it. So, you know, and whether we realize it's really important. Whether we realize it or not, Christianity is going is under attack right now in this in the United States. Bill, but Christianity has always been but under it's, attack. But it's more so now because they're starting to strip our constitution away to where they can eventually turn this nation into but a the into a dictator led nation. We have not had a constitutional thing. amendment in ages. What are you talking about? They're chipping away at our, our freedom of speech. Where? Right. Where? When? Uh, all where? of that. It's, it's still in the Second Amendment. It's still there. You still can't. You can't say certain things. You just can't say it before. <sighs> yeah, that's right. You, you can. I mean, they're they're starting. Well, you can. You can, but you're going to get in trouble. Well, but that is the same thing that we're going back to this lesson. What they were saying and what they were doing was causing. Wake up, Jim. Thrown out of the synagogue and everything. But we will have to. The point I was trying to make behind everything, whatever it is, we have to focus. My neighbor who is not like me is not the enemy. Satan is the enemy. I show him the Christ who is the victor. It's we get distracted by many things instead of going, all I need to do is preach the gospel. So much of our venom for our neighbor. The venom should be about Satan gets the venom, and we preach the gospel to them. I love, and I, 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 tr I don't always do well in this, and I try to do my best. I need to go the extra effort to show love and patience and consideration to people I don't agree with. Amen. That's the only fighting them will not win them. My kingdom is not of this world. It is not military, nor is it political. It is spiritual. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. Let let all the evil people around all the countries in the world. My God is still in charge. Amen. And like doing the like work, like the holy work of exposing them, I feel like that's not going to save them. Like yeah. that's, you know, well, when we have to treat everybody with grace and compassion and try and reach them, we would want to be humiliated right. or embarrassed. Right. So why do we? Feel like we need to humiliate and embarrass other people. That's not going to win. 
hey, my dear, it's not fair because they're mean to us. It's not fair. You go, well, they're mean to me. That doesn't justify it. Yeah, that doesn't justify it. Time. Internet is confused. Okay. Speak up, Kenny. We can't hear nobody. Words is persecution. Mean words is persecution. Okay. If if the Romans and the Jews authorities all they had were mean words, man, the Christian Christians back then would be like, what are you complaining about? You're a dirty Christian. Okay. That all you got? Okay. Come on. You're you're just stupid Christian. Okay. You know, I get tired of people arguing. I get tired, you know, when, you know, you got the story of the guy at the meeting where they talk about, you know, uh, to the guy from another country that's that first true persecution. said, well, how have you been persecuted? Well, they raped my wife and they killed my children because I was a Christian. And they thought, so you're in the America. Well, how are you persecuted? Because the 16-year-old at the Gap didn't wish me Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> They didn't say happy birthday, Jesus. But Jesus, I don't think, is an average parent. They didn't say Merry Christmas. They didn't say happy birthday, Jesus. They said season's greeting. They said season's greeting? Oh my goodness, this is the end of the world. <laughs> you know, I'm just priorities. Carrying our cross. And I instead pray, I, 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 the First Baptist Church pastor did the website naming all the salespeople who didn't say Merry Christmas and posted it publicly about six or seven years ago. And he got slammed by other Christians, and he should have been. Yeah. Because one pastor said, "Well, well, we we did it as a joke. You don't do, you don't shame people publicly." No. Yeah. No. He said, "Well, I'm just we did it." Said, and then one person, you know, it was Robert Jeffries, and they called him and said, "Did you ever consider praying for that 16 year old kid that didn't say Merry Christmas instead of publicly shaming them?" That's what I'm talking about here. That's venom towards the person, not Satan. Yeah. And you know what? It's sin. It's like, you know, some of those abortion people that go out in the name of Jesus to protest abortion, but then they start tormenting people and, and they don't even know that the people are, that why the people are having to give up their babies. I worked with a young girl who had a brain hemorrhage because of whatever happens when a woman's pregnant and her blood pressure goes up. And that guy, I forget his name, Bill, Bill or something, anyway, he was protesting Presbyterian Hospital and he started tormenting the family because they had to take one of the babies and then to save her life because it died inside of her and then to save her life, the other baby that was alive, they had to... Or even if it was because of sin, she's getting an abortion. Did they ever consider taking her in yeah. and ministering to her? But what got, that's the gospel. What, what got me, and I, I was just a young minister then, but what got me is the torment they were giving to the family. They were trying to save her life. <laughs> yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't really an abortion. They were trying to save her life and they, they even went to her mom's home in Mesquite. 
they, they found out where she lived and went to her mom's. So it's a miscarriage, not an abortion. It's just a, a difference in terminology. You know, there's a big difference. Well, I was, I was there's a big difference in the ladies that are having abortions. They're taking God's creation and they're saying, oh, they want to go indulge in sexual sin, you know, but they don't want to be responsible for the baby that God blesses them with. And so, yeah, that's an abomination before the eyes of the Lord. They're killing the innocent. Well, I, but I can say to that, even if the person getting an abortion is new because of sinful reasons, yeah. you show love to them. But I'm just saying, it, it just it amazed me how you're doing this in the name of Christ, and you're tormenting these people, and they're going through a crisis right now, not knowing if she's going to live or die, or if she's going to be all right again, or if she's ever going to be herself again. You know, I mean, they'll know you by your love. So I just just amazed me about you know what they were doing. I think it's, I think it's really important as believers <laughs> that we need to let people know we see a person going to the place and we know that it's an attempt that they're about to have an abortion. It's really important that we go to them and let it's them know how God feels about them. Maybe, because maybe. if we don't and they continue to go down that path, they're going to stand before the Lord and they're going to be judged for exactly doing that. So God sends people, and yes, we are to encourage, strengthen, and, and do things out of love and gentleness, but I think it's really important as believers that we let these ladies know that th by them doing that, that that's an abomination before the eyes of the Lord, but do it with gentleness and love. Don't we go there and smack up with the Bible and say, oh, well, you know, take over. I mean, but it's so satisfying when you slap somebody with the Bible. Oh, it is. Particularly with my brother. Um... Well, that concludes verse 4 <laughs> of uh, chapter 16, which ends the discussion from the previous week. You know, So basically all that was was the tag onto the end of uh, the last segment. And uh, beginning at verse 5, uh, Christ gives us a little hope, and he basically says that he has to go away in order for the comforter to come. And there is a big and... Uh, in-depth discussion of the Holy Spirit, which we simply do not have time for today. So next week we will pick it up at verse 5 and uh, see how far we get. And at this rate, um, we will get to chapter 17 sometime in November. Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> look, this is a college-level course you're giving. Because in college... That's how long it takes to go through four verses. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand. You're teaching college, university I, 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 level. I'm not yeah. passing judgment. I'm just telling you where we are. I'm just telling you where we are. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You, you got to starve that dog, right? That's, that's the metaphor. That's the metaphor. Yeah. Okay. All right. With that, internet, I'm signing off. Hopefully, somebody out there is listening. Bye. <laughs>